show number 98 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. We just watched a Star Trek episode. <gasps> we watched one of the brilliantly remastered <laughs> episodes on my new flat screen TV. Yeah. And it looked really good. It did. Well, so there was two new things. It was that I bought the second season um, remastered, and it came, and then you have your new TV. So put those two things together. It's just like peanut butter and chocolate. Mm. It rocks. <laughs> yes. Yes. It was good. So we watched I Mud, mm-hmm. which was a show I hadn't seen for a long time. In fact, I don't think we've ever watched that together. No, I don't think we've ever watched it together. I know I, it, it hasn't been all that long since I've seen it, or maybe I've just seen it so many times mm-hmm. that... I know it really well, but yeah, um, yeah. I, I love it. I love, love Harry Mudd. That He's is such so a good. great character, and I love the way he gets under Kirk's skin, mm-hmm. calling him Jamie Ladd and Laddie Buck, <laughs> and oh. As you pointed out, he goes from being jovial to being menacing in, in about a split second, mm-hmm. which is great. Mm-hmm. He's really, really good. So in case anybody hasn't seen this episode, we can recap the plot very quickly. Uh, Kurt's Kirk and the ship get hijacked to a planet of androids, and it turns out that... Wait, they get hijacked by an android named Norman. Norman yes. <laughs> and that's like Kevin Slayer of Worlds, isn't it? <laughs> that's great. They get there. Uh, Harry Mudd's in charge. He wants to keep them so that he can go on the Enterprise and take his androids with him and go rule the world and leave them stuck on the planet. But then the androids decide that um, humans aren't capable of taking care of the galaxy, so they're going to go and, and serve everyone to death, basically. And then they'll be in charge, and no bad things will happen anymore. And, and Harry doesn't get to and leave. Harry doesn't get to leave. So Kirk and company put a stop to that, essentially. Yes. And act silly enough that they overload the circuits. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much what happened. So it was sort of like the, you know, Kirk defeats the computer with mm-hmm. circular logic or whatever you want to call it, and gets everybody else in on the game. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of taken to the nth degree. Yes. So I made some notes. The first thing we noticed is that in the opening shots, and who knows what order they filmed in, but Bill was really sunburned. Yes. <laughs> his nose and his forehead. So he probably was out in the desert. Over the know, weekend. On his motorcycle, whatever, killing rattlesnakes, whatever it is he does, falling ass first into cactuses, something like that. <laughs> um, let's see. What does that mean? Oh, his pants were really tight. Oh, my God. He was showing so much in this episode. Yeah. Oh. And, of course, he was wearing uh, the green wraparound shirt, which mm-hmm. is cut higher, I think, than the gold shirt. So you get to see yeah, more of his, his crotchal area. <laughs> so, his crotchety uh, area. His crotchety area. I'm just looking at big cardboard Kirk here. And, mm-hmm. and you see how the shirt just comes down lower? Yeah. And with the, the wraparound shirt, it's up higher near it the is. waistband of the pants. So mm-hmm. you can see a lot more. And his butt looked really, really good. Oh, man. There was, was so a round. number of... Uh, profile shots where like my eyes were going down to the roundness of the butt and then up to the perfection of his facial mm-hmm. profile and down to the butt and up. Oh. It, was, <sighs> it was glorious. It was really good. So not only was it a fun script and, and a good script too, it had some good elements of drama in it, uh, but the casting was great. Mm-hmm. So Roger C. Carmel as, as Harry Med was great. The guy that they had playing Norman was also really good. Yes, he was. He acted enough like an android that you believed that he could be an android, just figuring out how to fit in just enough mm-hmm. in human society, but still having some weird quirkiness about him. Yep. And the twins that they got to play the twins were also pretty good. I read it somewhere that they were not actresses. 
they were just twins. They put out an open casting call for, for models, essentially, right. who would look pretty in those costumes, and they they acted pretty well. Well, it was interesting. The, the, the two main women androids, mm-hmm. that set of twins... Were they Annabelle? Alice. Alice, Alice. Yeah. The Alice, the two women who played the Alice. It was really funny to notice in uh, the scene when they're explaining to Kirk in the restroom, mm-hmm. you know, you can use all our facilities and everything, that one was very good at sort of this low-key Android mm-hmm. thing, and the other one was really like, this is my acting moment. <laughs> yes, you know, I she, know. <laughs> I noticed when she did We will that. serve you. You know, just really, <laughs> just was, a little, little over. It was funny. I thought that they did an incredible job throughout this episode with the camera angles and editing that really made it look like there were a lot of identical androids. Mm-hmm. It was really good. Like, yep. I was impressed that they did that. They did it either from filming from different angles or sometimes they'd have other women in the same clothes with their backs to the camera so you couldn't mm-hmm. tell, but it was enough of an illusion that you thought it was. And they they'd have they did this several times. There's Harry Mudd sitting on the throne with the two androids mm-hmm. on either side of him talking to Kirk and the group, and then we see Kirk and the group mm-hmm. with two of the same androids standing mm-hmm. with them as he replies. Yep. So th- that was really well done. Mm-hmm. I, I was very impressed with that. Um you pointed out that there were no blonde women androids. What's yes. up with that? Well, it's, to me, it's so interesting because our society is still just fascinated with the idea of blondes being more mm-hmm. beautiful. But that was a, a huge idea then. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that all of the women androids were brunettes. Yeah. I mean, there, there wasn't even a redhead mm-hmm. in there or, or light brown. I mean, it, they were all Maybe that was Harry Mudd's hair. taste. Maybe he just Maybe likes dark-haired was. women. Maybe so. The planet of the dark-haired women. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> the lighting in this episode was also really good. It mm-hmm. was very dramatic. There was a lot of purple, which was yes. kind of cool. But I noticed in a couple of shots they had Kirk facing the camera with a purple background behind him, and it looked so good. Oh, I know. That's so flattering to him. Yeah, it's yeah. so striking against that. You know what I was thinking? This was another one of these things where they beam down to a planet where I guess they're, it's obvious to me anyway that it's an underground facility. Mm-hmm. And rather than have real walls, they have these fake rocky-looking things that have doorways cut into them and how they did that all the time. And I thought, you know, we saw that so often as representing um, in Star Trek uh, science stations Mm -hmm. and places of of that nature. And I thought, maybe those really aren't rocks. Maybe that was their preferred wall. Hmm. Like, um, you know, we have... or. (laughs) <laughs> we've gotten rid of most of it. But in most of the houses built like in the 60s and 70s here, we have the popcorn yeah, ceiling. Yeah. It's not real popcorn. No, maybe it, it was It's like just a, a treatment. It was a foam wall that you sprayed up, and it yeah. turned rock hard instantly, and then it just stayed that way because they never bothered to shape it or anything. Right, right. And maybe that's what people did, and, and they had... Um, these changeable lights, mm-hmm. you know, where you could have the wall be purple because of the lighting. Yeah. And, you know. That's entirely maybe possible. Maybe that's what it was. It could be. It certainly saved them having to make doors on the sets mm-hmm. and open and close them to go through all yes. the time. One thing that we did notice, which I think I sort of noticed before, but I really noticed this time, is that this whole episode is very much like a stage play. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of scenes where everybody is on stage at the same time, and there's a lot of dialogue and people kind of walking back and forth to each other. So they have the main set, which is the throne room, mm-hmm. and then the other set, which is the little lounge area where they have mm-hmm. and a lot of it is it's very stagey in that way not that it's a bad thing but and, the, and their placement too yeah, is, yeah. it's very much like the stage placement like the mm-hmm. camera is the audience yeah. but also because of you know there were so many group shots of, of Kirk and Uhura Spock mm-hmm. 
McCoy, Scotty, and Mud, and a couple of androids mm -hmm. that we didn't get that many, like two shots, yeah. which you frequently had in Trek. And yep. I think that's part of what made it seem stage two okay. because you're seeing everyone all at once. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So because, and there were a lot of things where the entire group was involved. Everybody had things they had to mm -hmm. do. It was a, a very much an, a real ensemble piece and mm -hmm. not just protagonists talking yes. to each other. Yes. So I liked that. I thought that that was good. Um, oh, and one time I really noticed that was when they first beamed down. They're being down in a line. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute. The transporter room is, it's round. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what transporter they were using for this one, but it clearly was not the one that we <laughs> It was the see. spare one. It was the chorus line one. Yes. Uh, let's see. So here's a, a thing. Well, a couple things. One is that Kirk is annoyed <laughs> through much of this episode, mm -hmm. but that's okay. And he's sort of annoyed with Harry Mudd, but in a, I know that we're going to get out of this way. The only time he gets really pissed off is when Mud tells him that his crew has all been beamed down mm -hmm. when he thinks that the ship is in danger. And then he freaks out. And yep. he's like, you can't leave the ship alone like that. And he chokes him and he pushes him up against the wall. And I thought that was so Kirk, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's okay, it's a dangerous situation, but as soon as the ship is in danger, that's when he gets really mad. doesn't yep. matter if he's in danger, but it's the ship. Yep. And, you know, one of the things you really see in this episode is... Um, I guess how, 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 how very sharp and very tuned in Bill's acting technique is. Because, you know, we always think William Shatner, Kirk, you know, he's hammy, he's over the top, and he's always playing off Spock. Mm -hmm. But then you put him in with Roger C. Carmel, who's playing this, this huge, juicy, <laughs> scenery-chewing role. He's like Zero Mostel. Yes. And, you know, the guy is roaring and roaring, you know, practically twirling his mustache, is, which looks like it's been twirled many at times. At the end, when he's shocked, and, yes. they make the, and he's just like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Shatner totally pulls back and, and plays this, this very cool, low-key humor, yeah, yeah. which, again, it's the, the perfect contrast to what Harry Mudd is doing. Mm -hmm. It just, it, 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 it's just something we don't get to see Kirk do all that often because by nature of being Kirk and being the captain, he's the center. But mm -hmm. here's Harry, whose personality is so big. It's like he sucks up all the oxygen in yeah. the room. And the other thing I, that this reminded me of, and I think this was something that your brother said in the interview that you posted a few weeks mm -hmm. back, um, about how, how surprising it was that, you know, that Shatton was good at comedy things like mm -hmm. The Trouble with Tribbles. And it, it doesn't surprise me because he brings a, a natural sense of humor to Kirk anyway, which mm -hmm. I mean is he's, you know, lighthearted with it when, when needed and then mm -hmm. can, you know, really knuckle down. But Shatner himself recently pointed out that he started out in his young career for years and years and years. He was playing the young male lead in romantic comedies. Mm. That's what he did. He was not a dramatic actor for the most part for a long time. Mm -hmm. He has great comic timing. He does. In this episode in particular, everybody's mm -hmm. timing was really good, and it had to be pretty much split second because when they do the whole carnival of illogic at the end mm -hmm. there, it's like if they had missed it, it wouldn't mm -hmm. have been funny at all, and it, it just wouldn't have worked. And I thought everybody's timing, they must have rehearsed that stuff a lot oh, yeah. to get it down that good. And and the, and the way the dialogue between uh, Kirk and Mud just sort of crackles mm -hmm. and that 
you know, that they're, they've got a good rhythm going mm -hmm. and they're, they're both playing it very, very sharp, very right on. And it, like you were saying, it's, it's a good script. It moves along. It mm -hmm. just it clicks right along and totally entertaining. Yeah. Not a lot of, we're standing around talking. <laughs> when they are talking, it's always moving things forward. Yep, definitely. Um, so let's talk about sex and robots. Absolutely. So it's very clear from this episode that Harry Mudd has built all these female androids so that he can have sex with them. Yes. And then when Chekhov finds out that the female robots are able, like, that mm -hmm. have pussies or whatever, that he can have sex with them, then he's really happy. Yeah. So I want to know, did any of the Enterprise people have sex with robots while they were while there? While they were the, there? While they okay. were there. That's the thing. And then um, it seemed like... Everybody was kind of okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody was shocked. Nobody said, oh, my God, sex with robots, you must be insane. Like, it just seemed okay. Well, yeah, I know. It so is, what does it imply is my question. Well, yeah, it, well, it may imply that that particular group of people or that society is general in general is much more easygoing about sex mm -hmm. than we currently are. Um, it could also be that at home or in their quarters, whatever, they all have many, many sex toys and, mm -hmm. and different ways of getting off, and this is just the natural extension of that. I don't know. I just think it has a lot of implications that were only hinted at in this episode. Well, because of the, the time, yeah. you know. But I actually thought that the scene with Chekhov was pretty amazing for 1968. Mm -hmm. I mean, they didn't come out and say, you can have sex with us, but it was there. Yeah. And that shocked me. But it was also really interesting that they revisited that in TNG, where Data is talking about being fully functional. Yes. <laughs> you know, so it took them that long to come back around to it, but in mm -hmm. very much the same way. Like when I think the, the Alice robot says, we have been programmed to function, to function as human as females. females. Yeah. Yeah. Right there. So, I don't know, do they do they get periods? I don't know. I mean, I don't think Harry Mudd would program that into them. Do they have orgasms? He would program that into I them. I think so. Well, what about the male androids? <laughs> well, that was the funny part. Was that, you know, there's all these gorgeous women, and for Kirk to be the one to ask, don't you believe in male oh, androids? Kind of like, okay, so... You know, Bill wants to have his fun both ways, or Kirk at least does. And Harry's like, oh, I guess they have their uses, you know. But yeah, I think so. Well, I, I want to know. I, I think they could have done a lot more with that, frankly. Um, and they they never, you know, it, people have pointed this out, that they never pursued this idea, you know, that there was this planet full of 200,000 androids that were incredibly smart and incredibly capable and could have solved many of the problems in the galaxy, right? Mm -hmm. And they just, what, they kept them there mining on the, on this planet? You know, it would, yeah. that would have been a really interesting idea if they mm -hmm. had picked that up, actually, maybe for a film, the way they did with space. Right, and, right. You know, what really did they do with them? And mm -hmm. they, they seemed so capable of transforming things for, for mm -hmm. the Federation. Anyway, not for Starfleet in particular, but just for the Federation. And, and Kirk doesn't seem too upset about that. I mean, he's like, yeah, we're going to leave these androids down on the planet. Yeah. See ya. Don't you think that would be the, the thing that he would want to do is take one back to Starfleet and be like, look, these androids are going to solve all our problems. Well, and if there was this whole planet of two, 
as you say, 200,000 Androids who apparently are capable of making more Androids at the drop of a hat if they made 200,000 in the short time Mm -hmm. Harry Mudd's been with them. Um, Why is it such a big fucking deal for Dr. Soong to have made data? Yeah, exactly. And if they really were able to take a human brain and put it into an android body, wouldn't everybody want to do that? Well, yeah. (laughs) You'd think. You'd think. So it was... I think it was interesting that they created that just for mm-hmm. this episode. And maybe when it was over, they kind of realized, we probably shouldn't have said all that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, think they, I don't think they ever looked back. <laughs> no, that's true. But it would have been really interesting. And I'm sure, I don't know this, but I'm sure that there's been pro-fic and fanfic about whatever happened to them. But I know somebody raised a question as to whether these androids, because they were from Andromeda, knew the... The, the, the Andromedans. Other, the Andromedans. <laughs> In, um, a, in a rose by or by any, any other name, name. Yeah, yes. that one. Whether they knew them, mm-hmm. maybe they were those were the people. Maybe, maybe those were so. Their androids. They should have reunited them. Yeah, that would have been the decent thing to do. Yeah, and well. Kirk would have said, "Hey, we we know your robots. Yeah, we met them. We found your robots. We found your robots. Do you want them back? <laughs> Shall we just keep? Because right now they're just babysitting this one <laughs> annoying guy. <laughs> so I I think that that whole thing is uh, fascinating. Now here's a question. So they, they do the little play acting, which was hilarious. Yes. Especially when Kirk puts his foot up on Scotchy when mm-hmm. he's giving his little speech. And they render them uh, conked out by the force of illogic. What happened to the ones on the ship? Wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, because they're all hooked into Norman. Was the ship on autopilot? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Didn't he think of that? Oops. <laughs> hmm. I just want to know. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah, I think that was a little bit of plot skipping over. <laughs> don't think about that too much. Here, let me wave my hand so you don't notice. Um, now, I was re- that's a good question. Now, I was reading something about the, the filming of this episode... Oh. Somewhere, and uh, I thought this was kind of interesting because it's it it shows you how lack of budget, lack of time made them creative. I think in many ways, and how this whole thing of they were like, well, how oh god, it's going to cost so much. You're going to have to get so many extras Mm -hmm. if we have to show androids beaming these people down. Mm -hmm. And somebody finally came up with the idea of, well, let's just show. Scotty mm-hmm. arguing with this android once she's gotten him down there and he can explain the whole thing. I was like, great. And we don't have to spend screen yeah. time on it. You know, we just have this guy say, this mm-hmm. is this is what has happened. I also think I read that uh, David Gerald was actually the one who came up with the idea of having uh, identical androids mm-hmm. because they were worried about budget. Like, oh, how are we going to show all these different mm. ones? And they said, well, no, you just need to hire one pair and then film it differently. Yeah. And that solved that problem mm-hmm. right there. Yeah. So one thing that we, we mentioned while we were watching this was um, that Bill was probably really, really happy because he got to sleep with all those pairs of twins. And, and we noticed in like the very last scene where McCoy and Spock are just talking and talking about, I don't know what they've just done. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really listening because mm-hmm. Kirk's standing there with this little smile. He looks so happy. So happy and obviously not listening to them. <laughs> and and it instantly clicked in my mind that whole thing from Echo's wonderful poster uh-huh. about I can't hear you over the sound of how <laughs> awesome I am. And that's exactly it. He's sitting there, you know, counting the notches on his belt or oh, something. So funny. 
But he must have had a blast, oh. all those twins. Yeah. Well, he probably got them confused. You know, did, did I do you yet, or was it your sister? Yeah. Oh, well, why don't you both come in? Yeah, and it was probably like a different set every night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what a great episode, and it really looked like they were having a lot of fun also, mm-hmm. which is very important. Yes. Well, and the other thing is, like someone like Nichelle, she had a very prominent role in this. So in addition to it being a fun script, she was probably enjoying the fact that she actually got things mm-hmm. to do. Yep. And she was very good. In she was. Role. And she looked so wonderful. Yeah, she does. She's amazing. Um, we watched a couple other things after that. We watched, uh... Billy Blackburn. Billy Blackburn's home movies, which was good. Mm -hmm. That was enjoyable to see him talking about all the different roles he had played and all the weird costumes. Yes. And then there was that one shot with Bill, which just made me laugh. (laughs) So they were, it was probably like Friday's Child or something, and he was Mm -hmm. filming outdoors, and he was just kind of filming everybody walking up the hill, and, and Bill's looking at him, kind of looking at him, his eyes are squinty, and then very slowly, he stops... And he crouches down behind a bush yes. <laughs> to hide himself. Yeah. But he's not really hiding himself. <laughs> it was funny. It was really good. So we watched that. We watched some of the actors uh, and Bob Justman talking about the second season and mm-hmm. all the different shows. And that was interesting. Yeah. And then the very last part was about uh, people's favorite moments. So they talked to actors from subsequent Trek series about how they got into Star Trek, which was mm-hmm. very interesting. And what their favorite episodes were and what their favorite moments were. So they talked to, um, let's see, there was Tim Russ. I can't remember some of the actors' names. No. The guy who played Neelix, the guy who played <laughs> Dr. Flox, the guy who played um, Gowron. Oh, oh, the guy who played Wayun, Jeffrey Combs. I love him. Yes. He's good. Um, um, some of the Admiral, writers. somebody else. Ron Moore. Um, Jerry Taylor, uh, other people involved in the production, one of the guys who was the science advisor. Mm-hmm. And that was really fun. And then they had to go and ruin it because they did some interviews at Comic-Con, which I'm assuming was probably a couple of years ago, not this past year. And who did they choose to put in the interviews? But they put, no offense, guys, but the dorkiest, most stereotypical fanboys you could possibly imagine, big, fat, white guys with, you know, basically almost taped up glasses. And dirty hair. And dirty hair who were like, you know, oh, my favorite episode. You know, they basically sounded like comic book guys from The <laughs> yep. Simpsons, you know. I was yeah. like, oh, why do they have to pick these people? I don't They're know. They're at Comic-Con. There are hundreds of thousands of people at Comic-Con. They couldn't just pick three normal people you know <laughs> oh my favorite episode this is the one i really want to talk about and the guy in uniform yeah with the yeah, bad hair yeah like, but you know one of the things i i really loved about it when the early part of that segment mm-hmm. when they were talking about oh yeah i watched it at six o'clock at college every night and that was my experience that's mm-hmm. how i was introduced to it i watched it with my older brother and my dad <laughs> and that was your experience and it was just like yeah that's that's part of the universality of yeah. Star Trek, you know, is, it, it, you know, we, we go and we hear the actors tell these same stories mm-hmm. over and over, but we also all have the same stories. And, and uh, that was one of the wonderful things about Bill's book, Get a Life, where mm-hmm. he talked to the fans. He realized, well, yeah, they're coming to see us, but they're really coming to see each other mm-hmm. and to be an active part of this community mm-hmm. that is so spread out all over the world that, you know, the convention is their opportunity to all be together and, and really talking about it and enjoying it yeah. in, in ways that are difficult to do via letter, email, mm-hmm. phone call. Yeah, and it's, you know, it, it's not shocking, but it 
it, it, it's amusing, I guess, more than anything, to find out that so many of the people who were in subsequent Trek were Trek fans of right. the original series. Well, like one of the actors was saying his dad was such a fan that when he got the role, mm-hmm. his dad was telling him <laughs> the whole history of all these other characters. Yeah. I'm just going, that is so wonderful. And just think, as a, you know, as an actor who enjoyed Star Trek, to then become part of it. Mm-hmm. And I know we've talked about that with the... Uh, when we talk about Will Wheaton, that, yeah. you know, he was, a, you know, a Trek geek. And yeah. then he got to be part of, of, of the actual thing. That's amazing and, and thrilling. Yeah. It, it's, it's so cool when they tell those stories and you really see the fan part of them come mm-hmm. out. And, and when, when each of the actors was talking about the things that they liked about their favorite episodes, it was much of the same stuff that we always talk about. Right. That certain scripts were really well written. Or that they dealt with situations in real life. You know, everybody mm-hmm. talked about the Vietnam War and the Cold War and how you couldn't really talk about that on TV. But you managed to do it in science fiction. And how, you know, everybody wanted to have the, the um, what did he say? You know, you wanted to have the, what did he say about Kirk? Um, oh, you wanted, you wanted to, to have his courage. Yeah. And he, uh, you wanted to be as smart as Spock and have the heart of McCoy. But yeah. the thing, I can't remember the thing about he, Kirk. He said though. several things about Kirk. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. to be as brave and, and mm-hmm. you know, be in, make those decisions. And have the morals. That was what he yes, said. It was morals. about morals. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. You wanted to be those people. You wanted to be like those people. Well, and again, I was thinking about this, that, that we do see them as real people. We're not psycho. We know there's actors. We know somebody <laughs> else is writing it. But they are... We do relate to those characters as people, mm-hmm. you know, who have who have flaws and, 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 you know, who have a lot of different aspects to them. And I really loved one of the actors was talking about, yeah, you know, he had watched original series and he loved it. And he said, and sure, you know, the sets were kind of cheesy and everything. And he goes, but, you know, acting is believing. And mm-hmm. that, that believing, that commitment that they all brought to the stories. And that's part of what makes it live is mm. there were some very strong stories and there were actors who who did not just phone it in, who didn't play it with a wink of yeah, I'm in mm-hmm. the schlocky sci-fi, but just totally became those characters and, and did their job Absolutely. the way they're supposed to do it. Yeah, and Bill led them mm-hmm. right in the front with his Well, and 100%. you know, we've talked about this before. I think Leonard Nimoy told the story about they'd come in on Monday morning, they'd get that week's script, and sometimes it was like, oh my God, you know, and Bill's attitude was, this is the script, mm-hmm. and you know, we're, we're just going to do it. We're going to do it. We're not going to sit here and, and bitch about it or, you know, phone it in, mm-hmm. do a half-assed performance. We've got to give give it just as much as we would if it was Shakespeare. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I love that. It's just so nice to hear people talk about that. Mm-hmm. People, professional people talk yeah. about that. And, and of course, so many people talking about the influence that Trek had on their lives and mm-hmm. the things that it made them do, whether it was become actors or become scientists or, you know, whatever they happened to fall into, that Trek actually really influenced them. It wasn't mm-hmm. just a hobby or a real a show that they liked. Right. It was a real actual influence. I love Star Trek. I do, too. <laughs> I'm so glad we have a podcast. I too. I just I can't get enough of that Trek. It's so good. It is. It and, really it, is. you know, you can you can always watch those episodes. And especially if you're watching them with your good buddy, uh-huh. you'll, you'll see things in it, you know, like... Just because we're watching it with each other and we're mm-hmm. chatting as we as we watch it to point out things like, 
man, that one android in the back is really homely. When they were all <laughs> supposed to be these beautiful women, there was one who was like, ooh, you know. Yeah. And her would costume. Would they have a power failure when they were making you? Her costume wasn't very good either. Right. I think they had just kind of run out of material at that point, and mm-hmm. Bill Tice was just wrapping saran wrap around. <laughs> yeah. Hey, here, this will do. Just get out there. <laughs> you can do it. Yep. Oh, so I, I really like it. I'm glad that they put those features Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you are thinking about buying the set, the second set, I strongly recommend that you go out there and buy it. It's not even that expensive now. Right. But it, it only has the remaster, so it's not in either high def or Blu-ray. It's in neither. Mm-hmm. It's just remastered regular DVD format. We heard that the third season is going to be regular and Blu-ray. This is oh, what I okay. heard. We'll see. We'll see. If that happens. Um, but it would be nice mm-hmm. to be able to see some of them. Although I have to say, the remastering on that episode looked great. I mean, everything it was did. totally crisp and clear, and, and you could see all of the details. And um, there were a couple of new special effects, the planet shots. Mm-hmm. When Norman lifted up his little compartment and you right. could see the machinery, that looked pretty cool. I mm-hmm. thought they did a good job of that. Some of the... Um, Screens on the bridge, the ones that are above the stations, right. those had different pictures. Well, that's w- one of the things um, they were saying about the remastering is that they were putting up different things mm-hmm. on those screens. I think fairly consistently throughout the episodes. Mm-hmm. That was cool. But there, since there were no big space battles or anything, mm-hmm. there wasn't a whole lot aside from that. No. Yeah. Just, it was all nice and nice and clean and yeah. sharp. And Bill looked gorgeous. He did. He looked so gorgeous. You know, the other thing that I think kind of made this look... Another thing that made it look like a play, like mm-hmm. it was staged, is again because there were so many group shots, we didn't get this intimate lighting of Kirk light. Oh, that's true. There was very little Kirk light. In yeah, this because episode. you had to light a large area evenly. Mm-hmm. That's right, and everybody was standing. You know, it was interesting that um, so Roger C. Carmel is considerably taller than William Shatner in this, yes. but they used that to really good effect. I thought mm-hmm. that even though Kirk is physically smaller than him. Just by his body posture, he is not ever intimidated. No. He never acts that way. And, in fact, is very aggressive towards him when he, you know, Mud is sitting in his little throne. And Kirk comes up and he puts his leg up there. And he's kind well, of leaning in. And they're nose to nose. And that was really smart. I mean, yes, he's on the throne, so he's up higher than Kirk. But that really put them eye level mm-hmm. with each other. Yeah. There was a lot of that. It was, yeah. it was very good physical acting there, mm-hmm. whether the director made him do it or Bill just felt like that's what he needed Well, to you do. know what else I noticed? I thought, this is unusual, is um, there was a scene where there was uh, Mud and the two Alices mm-hmm. and Kirk. The Alices are taller than Kirk. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. Well, they were wearing little heels, mm-hmm. so that's not too surprising. But they were, like, almost as tall as Mud, mm-hmm. and I know somewhere... I read something. I know that Carmel was over six feet tall. Mm-hmm. Did he ever appear at conventions? Do you know? Oh, I don't think so. I think he passed away um, before that had gotten yeah, real Yeah, before big. that had really happened. Yeah. Um, God, the crowds would have just gone oh, nuts. He would have loved that. That would have been yeah. like his thing. <laughs> so big. Oh, he was great. And and I like the fact that he, um, he looks like the character that he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got kind of thinning hair on top and that yeah. giant handlebar mustache, and he's a little overweight. A and, little! <laughs> and he's wearing that ridiculous outfit with the giant gold epaulets on, mm-hmm. on the, the shoulders and everything. He's just, it's so different from the kind of people you see on TV now who look to me all the same. Like mm-hmm. everybody on TV looks exactly the same to me. They're all the same height, 
they have the same faces. Mm -hmm. You don't see characters like that. No. I mean, really outstanding characters, except once in a while. But yeah, that that's just so great. Yeah, you more people like that on TV. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I mean, he he just brought so much color to it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that was great. I'm so glad we watched that. Yep, that's a good one. <sighs> All right. Well, let's take a break. Okay. And do some stuff. And then well, we have a bunch of uh, some bill news that we want to <laughs> wrap up. Yeah, some, some things like that. And uh, a few other uh, little newsy things that I think we want to talk about. Okay. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Things Bill wants you to know. Email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com. Show notes at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. This entire podcast recorded on an Apple PowerBook with GarageBand. This is TSFPN.com, the sci-fi podcast network. you found the best podcasts in the universe. So let's do a few more little newsy things. Okay. We've got some newsy things to do. Good. So here's a thing that you sent me, and um, we have to find this. We have to download this at some point. William Shatner narrates new documentary about bad manners. <laughs> Uh, Do you think he'll talk about the rude person story? Oh, maybe he will. It's called To Hell with Manners, and it <laughs> premieres Saturday, September 20th, which was now several weeks ago. I didn't on, even hear about um, this. Canadian television. So oh, Canadian. okay. okay. Um, Montreal filmmaker John Curtin delves into the reality of modern-day rudeness in the new documentary To Hell with Manners. Narrated by Boston legal star William Shatner, Curtin travels across North America and the United Kingdom to prove just how disrespectful society has become. So the rest of this article just goes on to talk about some examples of blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> in fact, according to a 2007 Reader's Digest poll okay. of Canadians, 60% um, of Canadians felt advances in technology have made people less courteous over the past 10 years. Uh, Curtin correlates the boom in society's bad behavior to a desire to avoid trouble in a strife-filled world. People don't want to get involved, he says. The fee Curtin paid for Shatner's services shocked him almost as much as the rudeness he documented in <laughs> To Hell With Manners. Curtin won't reveal the final figure paid to the venerable actor. Venerable. Venerable. Quote, it was far in excess of what I had budgeted for, and I got a deal, Curtin laughs. I know his agent. They got me Shatner at 50% off. <gasps> Curtin flew to Los Angeles to work with the 77-year-old star. I knew William could be difficult and didn't like doing second takes, something you always do in a documentary. What? I don't think that's true. While waiting for Shatner's arrival at an L.A. studio, Curtin asked the wife of a cameraman if the star was in a good mood. Her response, he just ran out of him. He just ran out of here saying people are fucking rude. <laughs> I was lucky, laughs Curtin. William vented that spleen before he got to me. He was a pleasure to work with. Well, that's good. It had a happy ending. It's true. You know what's interesting about that, though? Is it's Canadian, mm -hmm. and the Canadians have a reputation for being 
polite, yeah. especially compared to us. Well, maybe he's talking about Americans being rude. Well, yeah. <laughs> that could be. The other thing is I have a theory why rudeness is, is greatly on the upswing. Why? Too many people overcrowding. Uh, yeah, that's true. I think that's the main reason. Um, I think it's partly that, and I think it's um, partly that there's too many technologies that keep people from making eye contact. Mm-hmm. Because when you're not actually looking someone in the eye, it's a lot easier to be rude yeah. than if you're actually making contact. So that's why people on cell phones, they're not actually looking at anybody that they're with. Mm -hmm. If they were actually looking you right in the eye, it would be a very different thing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But I still think it's just that there are way too many of us. Well, I think that's true. But I, I, this thing about him not liking to do second takes, I don't agree with that at all. I mean, we've seen so many things where mm -hmm. he's done multiple takes yeah. of something. So I don't know about that. Hmm. I don't know. Oh, well. Weird. So I'm going to try and download that. Yes, that would be great. To try to find it because I think that would be pretty awesome. Especially if Bill says, people are so fucking rude. People in are it. so fucking rude. That would be great. Now, this, this was funny. Um, <laughs> I don't agree with it totally, but I, we, we need to talk about this. <clears throat> so this was in a, a comic book blog by a guy who's quite amusing. So he calls it uh, the blog of horror, Halloween countdown, because it's October now. <laughs> okay. He says, it's once again time to start the shambling zombie march towards Halloween 08 with the blog of horror. Um, something I saw today at the comic shop easily covers all three of the categories that he set up. Strange, spooky, and weird. So he's got uh, several comic book covers that he's reproduced here. Um, there's one that's a guy with a spooky glowing eyes helmet thing. I don't know what kind. There's okay. a picture here. Another one is a grim glowering dude peering out of the darkness. And another one is a sprawling hellish city belching flames as far as the eye can see. Here, I'll <laughs> turn my computer so you can see. So these are examples of, of spooky, weird uh, comic book covers. Yeah, okay. You know, okay. But the one that beats them all. Alrighty. He says, what demonic terror lord presides over this flaming horrorscape? And now I'll show it to you. <laughs> what demonic lord could it be? Promoting a new line of William Shatner Presents titles from Blue Water Comics based on various sci-fi novels the actor has written. <laughs> I think the puffy visage of the Shat completely nullifies whatever apocalyptic dread they were shooting for. <laughs> Bill Shields. So he's got a line of comic books coming right. out, and um, they're based on tech war and various other things that he's done. But as a promotion, this is horrible. Yes. So it's a whole bunch of, you know, post-apocalyptic kind of scenes, and right in the middle of it is Bill's floating head mm -hmm. wearing a slightly skeptical expression. This was a picture that they used on the WilliamShatner.com website for a lot of different things. Oh, fact, right, right. You and I have a, a magnet, a refrigerator magnet, with this picture That's right. on it. Well, I, I think that's sort of a, a tie-in to his appearances on Third Rock from the Sun, where he played the big giant head. Yeah, he is a big giant head right here. And he's overseeing this city of doom or whatever it is. Oh, I don't know. But anyway, I just thought it was pretty funny that there was that picture. Mm -hmm. That yes. picture of Bill, out of all the pictures, and they put his head right in the middle. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. There's no reason for his face to be there. Well, except... That he's Bill. Except that he's Bill. And it's so, his comic. Despite the fact that I'm a big comic book fan, I'm not going to be reading any of these comics. Now, you know what I think would make a great comic? What? The Adventures of William Shatner. Oh, it would be a great comic book. And it wouldn't have to be factual. I mean, you just take the character of William Shatner, oh, yeah. who he is, 
and you know, kind of like the the adventures of his toupee in that yeah. Adult Swim thing, and just you know, make up these stories for things that happened to Bill, like on his way to work yeah. or at the horse because show. Because his real life is far more fantastic than any yes. comic book yes. superhero. It's true. Speaking of that, yes. Now you're going to show me there is a comic. The no, no, there isn't. Show. There should be one. There okay. absolutely should be one. But I will. Uh, let's tell people about the fact that um, so Shatner Vision isn't really Shatner Vision anymore. No. Now it's the Shatner Project. Yes. And it's, I believe it's at theshatnerproject.com. Let me just type that in to make sure that that's okay. what it is. But they basically took all of the uh, content that was at Shatner Vision and have now put it onto the Shatner Project. Do you know why they did this? Um, they, do you have a little argument with the Shatner Vision, the live vision people? I, I had read something because it got talked about quite a bit on the BBS, the Shatner BBS, about why they were doing this, and I do not remember. There has been some controversy among people who post mm-hmm. regularly mm-hmm. on the BBS about that this is all brought to you, the Shatner Project, or it's part of this overall website called Iron Sink, and mm-hmm. people thinking it's demeaning for Bill to be on it because it's a lot of teeny boppers or hot chicks or, or things like that. And... I wasn't really following the discussion because, to me, the the relevant part is the videos. Mm-hmm. And you can get those on YouTube. Yes. And you can get those at Shatner Project. You don't have to go to the Iron Sink site. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I, I don't understand. I don't know. So if you go to the Shatner Project, uh, it looks a lot like if you've ever been to Shatner Vision. It looked mm-hmm. exactly like that. So there's one video which loads when you click on it, mm-hmm. and then underneath it there are other videos that you can do, and you can subscribe. You can um, And I did subscribe. And you can talk with other people. You can leave comments and things like that. And there are lots of friends there, and there are bulletins and stuff. So... I subscribe to the YouTube channel Mm -hmm. because I'm on YouTube a lot. And I'm just going to read you what the description says right here. Okay. Welcome to the real-life adventures of William Shatner. (laughs) From driving race cars to flying in experimental aircraft, actor William Shatner has done it all. Now he is sharing his life with you and taking cameras where they have never been allowed before. Get an insider's view of life from Bill Shatner's perspective. Subscribe now and get your weekly dose of life, Bill Shatner style. I don't know if I could handle a weekly dose of Bill's life. I don't know. So the first one is the one that, I watched a couple of these, but there's one which is called William Shatner Welcomes You to the Shatner Project. I think I, did I blog this? No, but you and I talked about it. It's so funny. So I'm going to put it on the blog just so that people can see it, but you should go to the Shatner Project and watch everything that's there. Uh, and it's Bill trying to explain what this is about in his Bill way. It's c- clearly unscripted. Yeah, oh, clearly. And it's just blah, 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 blah. He's and it's also about. clear that Bill doesn't know what this no, is. No, he has no idea about what this is. So he's just going on and on and saying that there's these videos and trying to explain about how uh, they're going to be at the site and you can watch them. And a couple of times he gets stuck and it turns out his daughter is sitting right next to him off mm-hmm. camera and she's kind of whispering to him. Watch them online. Oh, yeah. So you watch them online at where? YouTube. Oh, YouTube. <laughs> it's that kind of thing. <clears throat> and then eventually the camera pulls back a little bit since now she's clearly part of this. Right. Instead of just sitting there and prompting him. And they get into this hilarious back and forth, almost like an Abbott and Costello routine mm-hmm. <clears throat> about how you subscribe. Because he keeps saying, and you can, sub- how do you, he says to her, then he turns it into an interview. Right. He's like, oh, so tell people how to subscribe. And she says, well, if you're on YouTube and you see the video, there's a button that says subscribe and you hit that button. 
this and what does that do well that means you're subscribed to the videos and you'll be notified whenever a new one comes up and where does that happen <laughs> on the computer when you're at YouTube that's where it happens and what do you have to do again <laughs> press the subscribe button and where is that it's on the computer <laughs> That's really pretty exactly what it is. It is, and she's getting impatient but laughing at the same Mm -hmm. time because clearly this is like the millionth time she's had this conversation with Dad who's so clueless about this kind of stuff, and he's being totally earnest and serious. It's so funny. But do you also get a little bit of a sense that he might, to some extent, be putting her on? Yes. Yes. Definitely, because he keeps going over it and Uh over it. It's very funny. So here's what they have right now. They have eight videos up. It's that one. Uh, William Shatner reflects on Rocket Man, which was something old. Which yeah, that recycled. was from the old station. Uh, Shatner goes ape over Coco the gorilla. That's the Coco thing. Yes, ex- and that is from the old one where right. he's talking about it. Shatner exclusive behind the scenes with Shatner when he's filming the uh, Priceline commercials, which that I've was seen on before. there too. Yeah. Uh, William Shatner responds to st- to Star Trek. I think that was where he talked about not actually being invited mm-hmm. to be in the next movie. Teen stars congratulate William Shatner. I don't know what the hell. I, I looked at it. It's just um, some teen stars, obviously people I've never heard of, on the red carpet at the Emmy oh. Awards, you know, just congratulating Bill on his nomination. Because obviously the people who do this were just going up to people well, and say, do you want to give a shout out to yeah. William Shatner? So. Okay. William Shatner, a giant of broadcasting. Oh, now I haven't watched that one yet, it's but that was um, one of those Lifetime Achievement Award oh, things. Oh, okay. And then this one I really do want to watch. It's called Driving with Shatner, The Intimidator. I think that's the one that was up there before, too. Okay. But okay. I haven't looked at it yet. That's funny. So this is going to be very amusing to, to watch mm-hmm. these videos. Because if <clears throat> anybody should be carrying around a video camera with him, it's Bill. Mm-hmm. Because of all the crazy stuff that happens yep. in real life. Now, we also wanted to mention... Another thing that Bill did recently, which was a surprise appearance on Saturday Night Live. Oh, yes. Did we not talk about that? I don't think we talked about that because it happened since the last time we did a show. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It's been a while. It has. Okay, gosh. I thought we'd talk about it. Okay. Well, we, we talked about it. I know. Last time we had lunch or something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Michael Phelps was the host mm-hmm. and Bill was the surprise guest and it was very funny because Phelps was talking about whether or not he would take, he would do endorsements for anything and... Bill popped up to tell him that it's important to only endorse products that you really believe in, and several times turned to the camera and did his press line. Yes. <laughs> it was good. It was very funny, and when you watch it, um, and it has been posted online somewhere, you can see sort of sitting at his side, his wife Elizabeth, mm-hmm. and she's laughing and having a good time. That's funny. Uh, let's see. Well, we haven't watched the... Uh, New Boston League. Well, you have, mm-hmm. but I haven't. But you were telling me that Bill looked really thin. He did in um in the 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 second one. I'm pretty sure it was the second one. Anyway, very near the beginning of the episode, there was a shot where you know he walked across and mm-hmm. and really very close to the camera, and you know so it was profile shot, and his stomach looked flat. Mm, that's great. It wasn't the the yeah. round poochy thing. So, um, yeah, I think you were right about his, his doctor <laughs> daring him to keep it off. I'm sure. That's really funny. So he didn't win an Emmy. No. Eh, that's right. He's got two. Yeah. And, and one more would just kind of clutter the place. He, up. he would have to win two more to keep it yeah. symmetrical. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, he does have two. So. 
Uh, and then I'm trying to think if there's any more like news news about things that he's doing. He's doing Boston Legal. Yes, so this is the production. last season. It's going to be a shortened season. He has his weird comic books coming out. Yes, and um, I believe in January mm -hmm. is when Shatner's Raw Nerve is supposed to start showing. Oh, that's right, yeah. That's the last I heard on that. Okay, and he's got the Shatner Project happening mm -hmm. with cameras following him around all the time. It's going to be interesting to... Um, to see what he does when he's through with Boston Legal, because mm. that's been a big part of, of why he's so much in the public eye now, mm -hmm. is, you know, and he's constantly being invited to these various things, because he's one of the stars of a, of a current show. And, I mean, I know he'll be, you know, busy with his horses and his shilling mm -hmm. and all his other stuff, but I wonder, you know, what his... Uh, media presence is going to be other than the shilling. I don't know. I would guess that he'll be offered another series if he hasn't already. Mm -hmm. I think they've shown that he's bankable as yeah. a TV star again. Mm -hmm. If he's on a show, people are going to watch it because he's on it. Yeah. So I'm sure he's been offered all kinds of interesting things and um, you know, maybe there'll be something really cool that he'll yeah. end up doing. Well, you, like he was saying, um, he's glad not to be the lead mm -hmm. of Boston Legal and because he just doesn't want to put that much time into this mm -hmm. this one single thing so it'd be interesting to see if they offer him things and what he actually considers and mm -hmm. what he says no i'm that's too much yeah well maybe he's gotten to a point where he really can turn some stuff down bill maybe i don't know well and you know what else is going to be interesting because it's been a feature of the past few um Shatner weekends is to go to the to Boston set. Legal set. Yeah. What they're gonna, what will be the the thing? They'll go to his house. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Shatner weekend and everything, I did want to pass this along. Joyce Mason passed away, Aww. and for years she was the president of his fan club. Mm -hmm. And I never met her, but from what everybody said, and they were saying this before she died, so it's not just eulogizing someone, that she was a, a wonderful, energetic person. And actually, you and I did see her because, do you remember when we were watching, I think it was the movie Trekkies, mm -hmm. and there were two women who had a radio show oh, yeah. in L.A.? She was one of the women. Oh, I see. I yeah. See. Oh, well, that's very sad. Yeah, and she had been in, in poor health for a few years. Mm -hmm. That was why she had to drop the fan club, but... Um, she had many, many friends mm -hmm. there and was, you know, very important in, in the Shatner weekends mm -hmm. and keeping Bill in touch with his fans and keeping all that going. So that's, you know, kind of sad, mm -hmm. but it sounds like she had... Oh, I have to unplug for a minute. You keep talking because I have something else to show you. Uh-oh, I have to keep talking. Talking yeah. about anything. It's right here. Oh, my God. Ah. Okay. La, la, la. I'll just sing this, a little song. This occurred. Oh, now you have to microphone. hook yourself back up again. Okay. This occurred while I was on my vacation, and my husband saved it for me out of the newspaper. But he called me mm -hmm. when we were in when I was in Florida, and he said some some big Star Trek fan died, and um, and the New York Times has an obituary. And I said, "Yeah, Joan Winston. I heard oh, about yeah, that. Oh, yeah, I heard about that and too." He, and I said, "She, you know, she was a hugely influential yeah. fan." And he goes, "But they gave her a quarter page." <laughs> I said, "She was a big influence," and he goes. You and Lena should get a whole page. <laughs> I agree with that. But it says, Joan Winston, Trek superfan, mm -hmm. dies at 77. And then the little sub thing is, a subculture celebrity who helped give Star Trek a second life. Mm -hmm. And that is very, very true. And I think among most Star Trek fans, it would be hard to find someone who has not read at least one mm -hmm. of her books. Yeah. 
I, so, totally. Yeah, I was very sad when I read that. Yes. To see that, that she had passed away. And uh, there are some tributes to her that are being put up online in various places where people can share their memories. And, um, you know, she really, it's funny, when you think of what she did, she was so influential in creating a lot mm-hmm. of the beginnings of Trek fandom, but she also had a real job. Yes. It never gets mentioned that she was like a TV producer. Right. And was very active in the networks and did all kinds uh-huh. of stuff. So it wasn't just that she was a super fan. She was actually, you know, behind right. the scenes, a pretty big person yes. in television. Yes, because that's how she got that thing where she visited the yeah. set when they were filming the very last episode. Yep. The uh, Dr. Janice Lester one. Mm-hmm. So, um, but she was key in organizing the first conventions. Yes. And, um. She wrote, she helped write Star Trek Lives. Yes. And she wrote, she wrote other things too, but Mm -hmm. I, I remember especially Star Trek Lives. And, uh, she said, and I don't know if it's quoted here in the New York Times thing or not, but in one of the things I read, she said if she had known what the conventions were going to turn into, how much work and, mm-hmm. and everything, and she would never have done it. <laughs> but those early conventions were run by her and some friends. They made no money at it. They mm-hmm. did it for the love of it, mm-hmm. and it was a huge phenomenon. And, yes, you could very rightly say she was a huge part of keeping the whole thing going. Mm-hmm. And because of that, because through efforts of her and people like her, it not just kept going, but it grew, and mm-hmm. it grew to the point where, okay, then we got – the movies and we got TNG and and all these other things and now a new movie being made mm-hmm. so she was uh, certainly I think deserving of an obituary in the New York Times mm-hmm. because Star Trek is such an important part of our culture now and mm-hmm. it would be very different if it had not been for her and some other people absolutely and I just wanted to reiterate now that we're talking about this do you remember way back when we had read something about um somebody was going to make a movie yes. about people who were you know responsible for star trek fandom and it was all about a group of guys mm-hmm. and at that time we both said very strongly no it was women in the beginnings who did all that it was yep. women who kept fandom going who wrote the fanzines who, who organized the conventions it was all women it was women mm-hmm. who wrote those books star trek lives all those early profic not i'm putting profic in big quotes here. right right it was all women who did that mm-hmm. so if it hadn't been for the women fans there would be no star trek the way it is today absolutely yep. not so yeah. the whole concept of the star trek fanboy is just so different from what you and i have known about and participated in in fandom and that's something that and do they the put main those people on TV in no. the documentaries? No. <laughs> well, I was going to say that's something that the mainstream certainly has not caught on to, and, and it's um, something Hollywood hasn't minded at all. Mm-hmm. They've, they've caught on to what a geek boy is and, and you know, how to make that funny or mm-hmm. interesting or whatever. They are completely unaware of the role of females in mm-hmm. fandom, both as young fangirls, yes, for the, you know, for these teeny bop groups, mm-hmm. but as as grown women, you know, who are fans, like, you know, Free Enterprise, mm-hmm. they were two guys who were still collecting the stuff. Yeah. They are completely unaware that there are women who are still very actively involved in being fans of their particular thing. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, it's good that that was in there. I'm glad that they gave yes, you that much. Yes, yes. And actually kind of a nice picture of her and George Takei as oh, well. Oh, that's great. At one of the conventions. Now, we talked about that chapter that she had written where she talked about visiting the Star mm-hmm. Trek set. Um we agreed then, and I think I still agree that she and Shatner probably did it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Even though that never came up anywhere else. Just the well, way she wrote about it. <laughs> well, and the way she wrote about it, and also that several years later, when he was going to appear on a game show, um, he ran into her on on his way in. And he, he said, Joni, and gave her a big hug, and we, we agreed that he wouldn't remember her name or anything yeah. if he 
hadn't done her. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad for that. But somebody else told me when I, and it wasn't you, but I said something about, I think he did her. They said, he couldn't have. She's insane. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know what that meant. Like he wouldn't sleep with an insane woman if she was cute? Yeah. <laughs> what does that have to do with it? I know. I know. So. <laughs> okay. One more thing. Oh, okay. And this was from um, today's newspaper, as a matter of fact. And it was uh, not a newspaper. Yeah, it wasn't the newspaper. It was in the San Francisco Examiner, which is the new, the, the rag right. paper that <laughs> they give away for free on street corners now. But it was from a guy who has a column that he was writing about podcasts. So this podcast that he wrote about, not our podcast, but believe uh-huh. me, I'm going to make sure he knows about our podcast, is called Trek Teenies, Star Trek and Martinis. And it's, um, it's, I'll read it. Trek Teenies is the pilot podcast of unfortunate influence. John and Jesse discuss Star Trek over Star Trek related martinis and other alcoholic beverages. Listen to the show for recipes, facts, and conversation. And they've got 10 episodes up so far, and I haven't listened to any of them, so I don't know if they're any good or if they suck. Mm -hmm. I would love if anybody's out there who has actually listened to them so far, if they have an opinion about them. But I did want to read a little bit from The Examiner, because um, the article is called Star Trek and Alcohol. (laughs) And I immediately thought about that article that we had read in Modern Drunkard, which was hilariously funny. So the guy who wrote this is named uh, Jason Rostel. He says, what I've always admired about podcasts is that for the most part, these people are recording these podcasts for no money gain. That's certainly true for us. Yes. <laughs> and the folks doing their podcasts about Star Trek are doing theirs for absolutely zero publicity. <laughs> it's not because the subject is hot right now or trendy. It's because they love Star Trek. Unlike other geeky ventures, you can't really fake Trek love. You either have it or you don't. <laughs> this is so true. Um, Wearing tight pants, tight t-shirts, knitting tight little hats, or whatever the hell else they can dream up to be dorky enough to be considered clever. Those are the pretenders. But you can't, tr- you still can't touch a true Star Trek fan when it comes to pure nerd love. Um, let's see. I'm just going to skip to something else. <laughs> oh, here. This is his last paragraph. This is really good. In a time when it seems like people, the people running the Star Trek franchise are finding any way possible to screw their devoted fan base out of every last red cent, <laughs> check out the official Star Trek magazine if you don't believe me. It's twice the price of every other magazine on the newsstand. That's the one that Miss Sunbeam referred yes. to as Star Trek, the extremely expensive magazine. <laughs> yes, yes. It's nice to find real people honoring a cult TV show just because they love it. It's also nice listening to a couple people you've never met get their drink on and romanticize the extreme physical toughness of one James Tiberius Mm. Kirk. Mm. I plan on covering more Trekkish corners of our planet occasionally in this column with the new Abrams movie coming out and all. Um, I thought I'd use this space today to put in a tiny little blade of light on that secret world that almost never gets any attention in the media, podcasting. There are literally thousands of podcasts covering everything from politics to film to action figure collecting. Anything you're into, I promise you, there's some, someone out there producing a weekly podcast about it. I just happen to be into Star Trek, so Trek Teenies is my kind of thing. And plus, I believe everyone needs to know the recipe for making a nuclear vessel. <laughs> So he's, he's doing, the, or they're doing a lot of what we're talking about, that all these things yeah. are great drink names. Yes. So anyway, so I'm going to listen to Trek Teenies, and I'm going to mention to them that we have a podcast, and I'm going to write to Jason Rostel and tell him that we have a podcast. Yes! Anyhow. And of course, it's illustrated with this great picture of Kirk from, um, uh, whatchamacallit? Uh, Naked Time. Naked Time. Yeah, drinking. No, this isn't Naked Time. 
this is uh, where he gets split into two. What the hell? Enemy within. Enemy within. Yeah. Okay. Dr drinking the brandy. Yes. The Give me the brandy. <laughs> yep. Well, it, you know, it is. It is true. I, I hadn't really been thinking about that. That, but it kind of ties into what we were saying about the, the Hollywood view yeah. of the the, the fan base and everything like this. But then there are. People just doing this because they want to talk about it. And yeah. that that's what we're doing. That's exactly what we're doing. It's not because we're in it for the money or for anything else. It's just because it's really, really fun. And spreading the word about Bill is just so much fun. I know. And every time we get an email from somebody saying, you know, I never realized how gorgeous <laughs> he is. Or it's so great that somebody else is, you know, seeing how gorgeous he is and that you're out there spotting those EVEs. and. Mm -hmm. And, you know, telling us about them so we can go spot them, too. And, and really, you guys do need to take a good look at uh, oh, I Mud. Oh, I Mud. Oh, my God. God. Oh, that was kind of amazing. Bill was having a good week. He was. With and, all those twins. You know, it is just so much fun. I said this in the interview, but, you know, when I was talking to my brother about talking to him, about mm -hmm. telling him about the podcast and about Shatner, he goes, I love Bill. I was <laughs> just like, yep. I love it. I just love that. Everybody loves Bill. They, yep. <laughs> it's his moment. It's. It, this is his his year, his uh, century. I his don't know. Century. It's William Shatner's world. Yeah, it's true. Well, I think that's it for now. I think that's good. Okay. And uh, oh, next time let's do a bunch of Boston legal next time. Maybe okay. We can get all caught up, and you can tell us what the hell happened. And the time after that is going to be show one hundred. So people, oh, get your ideas and get your requests in. If there is a, a Shatner um, movie, a Star Trek episode, or something you want us to look at yeah, and talk about. Because right now, I got, I got nothing. I, yeah, right now it's just going to be like one of our regular shows, yeah. which of course are wonderful. But yeah. we'd love to get some really kick-ass ideas for mm. what to do for a show. Yeah. 100. 100. It's going to be big. Which is 10 times as many <gasps> shows as Trek Teenies. I think that we should wear little party hats, like little New Year's Eve hats for the oh, show. Okay, and that will affect the podcast how? I just thought it would be fun. Okay. <laughs> Get one for him, too. Oh, big yeah. Cardboard for Kirk. Big Cardboard Kirk. Of course. Of course. That'll be brilliant. And little tiny ones for the dolls. Oh, that'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Till next time.